You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. Welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast. A week off for the holiday break. We hope everybody had a good 4th of July. But we're back. The whole gang's here. I'm Dalton here with Connor, Isaiah, and Lucas. Guys, how are we doing today? Sunday, July 11th. Doing good, Dalt. It was nice to get a little R&R. Had a couple hot dogs, you know, for the holiday. Uh, some of us had more than others, but I'm sure we'll get into that later. I'm just, uh, I'm here to remind the folks, no, we didn't get canceled. We just took a week off. We're back. We're raring and ready to go. As Lou said, a little R&R. Big things coming from the mini market squad. Huge things coming from the mini market squad. Yeah, it's fun to be back. The week off was, I think it was good timing, honestly. I think there was, you know, what it was, are we on episode 27? So we got through about a quarter of a century, took a week off. Twenty, I think 26 straight weekends of putting out pods. So pretty good. One week off and we're back at it. Let's go, baby. Yeah, all four of us haven't missed a week. Yep, we've been loyal the whole Sweet. time. Yeah. Woof. Well, let's jump into the only active Minnesota sports team, the Twins. And I'm still, I still have hope. They're still stringing me along. I'm, I can't be helped. I, I have hope. But there is one thing: the hope. We're playing the Tigers eight times in a row. So, don't hate that. Don't hate that. Here we come, Detroit. Dalt, you had a tweet. Uh, speaking of hope, you think they're going to finish second in the Central still? Yeah. Talk I about that, that a little one. bit. Oof. Well, just look at the look at the AL and four of the five AL Central teams make up four of the six worst records in the American League. So <laughs> it's not necessarily saying the Twins are going to be the greatest, you know, second half team of all time, but they're not that far behind uh, the Indians. I think they're like seven games back of the Indians and like two back of the Tigers. There's a lot of season left. I think they could actually finish the season second in the AL Central. They might only be like 81 and 81, but I think that could reasonably happen if they don't sell off all of their valuable pieces at the trade deadline. Big if. 81 and 81. Jeez, that just seems like a mountain to climb, but I'd be all for it. Speaking of trading pieces, um, what do you think is going to happen there? I heard talks that Donaldson might be out the door here pretty soon. Cruz is likely, huh? What do you think, Dalton? I don't know about Donaldson. I, I think Cruz will certainly be traded. I think the Twins might end up eating most of his salary because some of the teams that would be interested are like the A's or the Rays, teams that aren't going to pay him anything. But that actually might be a better thing for the Twins long-term because the more salary the Twins are willing to pay now, the better the prospect haul they're going to get in return. So instead of getting a bad prospect, they might get like a mediocre, okay prospect for Nelson Cruz. Donaldson would be interesting. I just don't know who's going to want to pay him for three more seasons at that rate. And if you're the twins and you're, you say, okay, well, we'll pay part of it. Then you're only clearing maybe like, I don't know, $10 million of salary. And are you really going to be able to use that salary in a way that's going to make your team that much better? You lose Josh Donaldson, but you make $10 million. Like $10 million isn't going to make up Josh Donaldson like he's he's been playing actually really well this year kind of under the radar because the team sucks but like he's, he's been pretty much what they thought he would be he's hitting well he's kind of a clubhouse leader I, I don't know I 
I honestly am not sure that trading him would be a good move unless you get a team that will take on his full $25 million a year for the next three seasons. And it feels like the Mets are the rumored team and they're maybe the only team you're thinking with the pocketbook to do that. Yeah, because he's old. The Twins signed him thinking they'd get two really good seasons from him and then kind of bite the bullet on the last two. And while last year was pretty much a shot season and he was hurt for most of the year. And then this year, okay, well then whoever gets him is getting maybe one and a half good seasons from Josh Donaldson. You're paying two and a half, three and a half seasons of 25 plus million for an aging third baseman who has a lot of leg issues. That's a tough sell as a, as a trade partner. The twins don't have a lot of leverage there. But I'm I'm really interested in the bullpen. I'm interested to see, do they trade Taylor Rogers? I think he's been one of the best left-handed relievers in baseball this season. And I think teams would pay a lot for him because they not only get him this year, they get him next year. And he's still arbitration eligible, which means next season he's going to be making a very reasonable number. And Tyler Duffy's been pitching all right. Same situation there, another year of control. And then the big dog, Jose Barrios. The pitching staff, they could totally gut the pitching staff if they want to get, yeah. um, if the Twins want to get prospects in return. Or they could say, hey, we're going to compete next year. We're going to have all these guys on reasonable salaries. It's going to go one way or another because I don't see how you trade one of those guys and keep the others. I, I think if you're going to trade one, you trade all three. Yeah, I guess my question is, <clears throat> what if you, if you guys were in the shoes, what do you do? Do you gut it? Do you gut it and say, let's build, let's start on for the future? Or would you try to go for next year? Because I'm torn. I'm, I'm completely split right now. I don't know what the best decision would be. Well, so for me, I feel like you have to take a look at what, kind of like assess this year. Like, do you think, if you're the general management, like, do you think that this year was a fluke and the Twins are actually better than how they've played? Or do you think that this was sort of a downward trend of the last three seasons and this was a more significant drop, but the drop was coming and there's big holes in the lineup. Um, I think that's like the big indicator of what you're going to do, obviously. Um, so I think that's the decision that they're trying to figure out. And I, if you looked at like Dan Hayes, he has some of those interesting stats about the twins record this year with their pitching. And it's maybe a little bit of an obvious stat. It's like if they let up under five runs, they're like 35 and 10 or something this season. Yeah, it was Aaron, Aaron Gleeman. I'm not Aaron giving Gleeman, Dan yeah. Hayes any credit. I hate that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a fan. Right. Sorry, Dalt. My mistake. Uh, Aaron Gleeman. Give him his <laughs> shout out. Um, I know he's a listener. Uh, so, but the stat was crazy. It's like they're 35 and 10 if they give up um, less than five runs and like two and just brutal. If I've got they the stat here. Than, yeah, lay it on us. So now when the Twins allow five or fewer runs, so basically when they get any kind of competent pitching, they're now 36 and 14. In all other games, so any games when the team scores six or more runs, when the other team scores six or more runs, the Twins are 2-36. and 36. So 36-14 and 14 when they give up five or fewer, 2-36 and 36 when they give up six or more. So you look at that stat and you say, okay, is it the pitching or is it that you're only getting five runs a, a night from your lineup? And do you think that that's a problem? Do you think your lineup needs to be producing more or is it that the pitching needs to be better? That's the question I think they have to figure out. Obviously, the starting rotation has been a bit of a mess this year. Some of the guys that they brought in uh, have not panned out the way that they had hoped. Um, but for me, I kind of want to see them try to hang on one more year and, and try it again next year. And 
maybe keep almost as as many pieces as they can, not really make a ton of moves, maybe a few here and there. Um, for me, I think it's I think it's a this year was a bit of a fluke, and uh, they're not as far out of it as it feels. So I'd keep two, some more guys. Two things with that one. I questioned that stat a little bit. I, I know it's accurate and all that, but my question would be is I wish he would have given context on what other teams look like at that five. Cause I would think it's probably similar across the league. Is that, would you say that's unfair to think about if you give more, give up more than five runs, you're losing most games. Right. And if you give, if you give up less than five, you're winning most games. Right. Like, I think that that stat is probably similar ish across the MLB. Like every team, if they give up less than five runs, of course they're going to have a way higher winning percentage. Right. Or am I think thinking of this wrong? And I think you're gonna lose if you don't. I think it's just it's just such 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 a shocking like divider drop line. off. I think a lot of teams it's they'll sprinkle in wins and losses in that range, maybe a little higher, but for the twins to be so definitively good when they're below five and so horrible when they're above five, it's I think that's the shocking piece about it. But I think you're right. There's probably a line for every team that's gonna put them one way or another. Yeah, like I, I think it would have been nice for him to just add in another team to the stat and say, like, this is what the White Sox are at the same thing, just so there's context. Speaking of stats, I saw this weekend there was a stat that was like um, the only players with 400-plus home runs and 75-plus stolen bases, active players. I don't know if anyone else saw this. Um, I think it might have been from the guy we don't like on this podcast, or at least Dalton certainly doesn't like. And it was just Nelson Cruz and Albert Pujols. And I just thought it was the most ESPN egregious stat of all time because Pujols had like 640 home runs and over 120 stolen bases. And Nelson had like 415 and like 77. I was like, really? Like, let's just paint the stat we want. Like 75 is not even a round number. I saw that and I was just like, this is the stuff that I hate. Like, here we go. Rant it up. If you're ready to get angry, you've come to the right place. It's time now for a mini rant presented by Tellum Sports. But it's like, there's not even in the same ballpark numbers wise, like 200 more home runs, 200 plus more home runs and 50 more stolen bases. Nelson could play till he died and he would never catch that stolen base thing. Right. Like he gets probably a couple of year cause he's crafty, but it's like they're, oh, they're not, not even in the same comparison on this stat. Like just grab the numbers that fit your narrative. I hate that about, mass media i guess it would be the term like sports mass media like just grab numbers so you can compare two guys in in a vacuum and and whatever fits your narrative that just drives me absolutely bonkers i saw that stat and i was just like this is the dumbest thing ever like i get it like wow great accomplishment for these two but this is at way different points over pool holes with 50 percent more home runs and you're gonna say like oh look at these two only ones with 475 400 comma 75 
Those are perfect kinds of stats for Twitter though. Like you'll, you'll see stuff like that all the time because it'll get retweets where a rookie yeah. might come up and in his first like 12 at bats, he'll hit four home runs and a double or something. It's like only rookie, only players to ever hit four home runs and one double in their first 12 at bats. And it's like a random rookie, like Mickey Big Mantle move. and like a couple of like random players like that who are just like, you know, the pantheon <laughs> of baseball. And it's like, this guy's not anywhere near Relax. that. He came in and hit, you know, caught a couple fastballs on the barrel, like any professional baseball player will do sometimes but then you can like book them together and then all of a sudden people are clicking like oh my god this guy's this is amazing and then it gets a bunch yeah. of retweets and favorites and that's the twitter world that's the twitter world which i love so much so double-edged sword a little bit so that's number one number two i actually like that idea like i think you go for one more year my thought is well, like what's what what does it hurt waiting one more year to rebuild like if you think there's maybe a chance of making a push next year for the playoffs What's one more year to give it a shot? If it doesn't work out, we start the rebuild next year. Is it a job thing? Like you're probably all canned and that's why we start earlier. Or I guess, I don't know. I also think the window thing is really sad. Like we all thought the window was opening wide open, like last year, this year, and then the next few years. And there's a chance it could be completely closed, which is just like uh, the most small market team thing ever where like you know like a lot of the bigger teams rarely have the windows closed you know they're kind of flowing like the yankees and the red sox great example right now they kind of have like last year they had a pretty bad team where the window is closed but generally the window is open for a long time for those big market teams those wealthier teams and this is just kind of how it goes but it does suck because we all thought we were going to have like four more years of great twins baseball to enjoy and now there's this chance that maybe we're going to start a rebuild soon which is just a total pull the rug right out from under you that's what makes it so frustrating when you have like a small window and you know that and when you have the team that feels like it could be there and you don't make the moves at the deadline so like not this year but the past few years when it's like you this isn't going to last forever you kind of have to take advantage of it and there's teams around the league that are you know considered small market teams who do a better job of like when they feel like they're there they'll push uh, and the twins have never really been that unit. They'll be like, okay, we're here. Well, this will get us somewhere. And it's, it's it's not thinking deeper into the playoffs. It's like get to the playoffs thoughts. Kind of goes to Dalton's piece uh, in the offseason about signing like a top end shortstop or trading for one, like make the move to like try to win now. And it seems like the twins are always afraid to do that. Dalton, you like to burn everything down. What do you think? I do like to burn everything <laughs> down and trade everybody. Uh, no, I, so the twins are currently 11th in baseball and runs scored per game. And they're 26th in baseball and runs allowed per game. So the offense has actually been okay, especially when you consider Buxton's been out for most of the season. Trevor Larnick has been in the lineup most of the season. He was not supposed to play this year. Gilberto Celestino has played 25 games in center field. He has less than 100 at-bats at double-A at and no at-bats at triple-A. Alex Kirilov was called up right away. I mean, you have guys. Nick Gordon's been getting a lot of playing time. Ben Rortvet, like, they, they've been playing a lot of young hitters, but our offense has actually been doing okay. So it makes me think that next year they could be all right if they can replace Nelson Cruz. And I think the DH position is going to be one of the easier positions to fill, all things considered. Like, you just have to find a guy who can hit. There, there, are, a lot, there are more of those guys than there are center fielders, for instance. The pitching staff is the side where they brought in, like you said, all of the you know, shoemakers, J-Haps, those type of guys. 
I'm on the side. I think they should try to go one more year. I think Barrios has shown he can pitch. Maeda's coming back around now. He ha- he started off a little bumpy, but he's throwing all right. I think you have a couple guys who can compete for that 4-5 spot at, at the bottom of the rotation. Guys like Bailey Ober, maybe Randy Dobnik. Some young guys who come up uh, next year. They have a few guys at AA, AAA who think, uh, they think will be ready next year. They're top pitching prospects. So then you, you need to sign maybe a third and fourth starter in the offseason. A DH, a third and fourth starter in the offseason, and maybe a shortstop because Simmons is going to be gone. That's not that much to need. A shortstop, a DH, two starting pitchers. I don't know. I, I think that's that's reasonable. Yeah, but like, I, I mean, a shortstop is one of the most position, important positions on the field. So it's not just a shortstop. It's like a very significant signing that they have to make. Uh, just a DH is just a DH, but you're replacing probably the most capable hitter in our lineup for the last three years. So on paper, yes, but it also is like a little bit more than just a shortstop, just a DH. But I agree. I think it's not as much as it feels like it as we need right now. The and I'm, I'm baking in a little yeah. bit of progression from guys like Kirilov, Larnik, so they'll be a little bit better. And they, I mean, they've been hitting like third, fourth, fifth in well, the lineup for the last month, so... It's not like they're currently hitting seventh and we think next year they're going to be our cleanup hitters. It's kind of sweet, actually, if you think about that part of it. It's like, yes, this year is like almost a weird rebuild year where you're getting a lot of good quality reps for your young players that you think can make an impact in the future. But your team as a whole isn't that far away from being competitive. So you're almost, in a sense, getting like something similar to like what the Warriors got this year. It's like you just you know you're not going to be as good as you could be after the season started, and then you just get a ton of reps for guys, and then plug in a few key pieces next year, and you're rolling. Maybe. I think one thing that makes me nervous is when the I think every year it seems like the twins need to go out and sign like a three and four starter or four and five starter and I would love to see them try to club up I think we Dalton mentions this a lot with the bullpen where like instead of filling you know if you have three top good guys instead of filling the fourth spot maybe fill the second spot and then have really good three and four guys I think it's the same thing with this where I'd like to see them club up a little bit try to go get like a number two starter so now we have maybe if Kente can get back to where he was, a number, a definite number one starter. Berrios, probably a really good number two starter. And then a number two starter behind him as well that's actually in our three hole. Then you get a three who's in the four, and everything starts to shake out a little bit better down the line. So that's one thing that I would love to see out of them is just to, instead of going to fill the four hole, let's fill the two hole and shuffle down. Because it seems like when we go try to fill the back end of the rotation, it's really hit or miss. Yeah. And this year was obviously a miss, I would say. Um, Shoemaker has had unbelievably poor statistics, I believe, over the last like couple months. And that's why he's no longer with the team. <laughs> Bing. I, I feel like here's a verbal meme coming at you, but it's like the flex seal one. So there's first picture is Love just it. like slap the water it. pouring out. Flex seal, slap it on there. And it, the flex seal is like J-Hap and uh, Shoemaker. And then fourth one third one then is a zoom out and the hole was actually in a giant dam and it's actually like flex seal is not gonna solve not that gonna one. hold up yeah it's not just a boat it's like a whole big thing that's happening and i agree with you connor i, I would like to see them move 
more top down instead of bottom up. Yeah. And it will take a little bit more effort, a little bit more money, obviously. So it makes it a little bit more risky, but, um, I think at some point you gotta, you gotta pee or get off the pot, right? Like, let's go for this. If we're going to go for it, go for it. To that point though, do we think that the pieces on this roster right now could really win a world series next year? When you look around baseball and you look at where the White Sox are right now, you look at the Dodgers, you look at the Padres. Is it, would it be, if you're trying to win a title, would it be a smarter move to sell high on guys like Barrios, Taylor Rogers, and kick the can three, four years down the road by getting some prospects in double A and regroup and hope Royce Lewis comes back from his injury and is really good. You hope Larnick and Kirloff continue on their trajectories and you hope some of the starting pitchers that we have and whatever prospects we get in return for guys like Barrios and Rogers can come together and compete when teams like maybe the Dodgers or the Padres, when their core right now is a little bit older and on their decline. Because it just seems like some of the teams around baseball right now, you look at the Astros, they're sort of at their peak and they have guys that are toward the middle to maybe later stages of their primes. And I don't see how the Twins could beat them in like next season. And so then you, you're saying, are we going all in to try to like win a playoff game? Is that, is that the goal? Maybe. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just unreasonable to expect a World Series and like w- the all in for a Minnesota team is like make the season fun and try to like win a playoff series or two. Mm-hmm. Or if, if we're actually trying to win a World Series, because taking a step back and trying to not be a homer, I, I really don't see how this team wins a world series next year but to be a homer i think was it the 87 or the 91 twins that were the worst team in baseball the year before 87 i was just gonna say that too so it's it's hard because it in terms of comparing to like the dodgers and padres like there's always going to be a couple teams right that are that have hit the guys in their prime maybe they've done the thing like the twins hope to do and they sold early on some guys but had this good young core coming up Kind of like the, basically the Astros, right? Like they were bad, bad, bad for a long time, but you could see that their pieces were coming together. It just feels like the Twins have done that multiple times, and for whatever reason, it rarely works out into like a deep playoff run. And for us lately, never. Where we, all right, let's just like grab a bunch of good young prospects and hope they all work out. We've had a lot of trouble with that, so that's why like I'm slightly reluctant. Ultimately, that's how you have to build a team. So at some point, we're going to have to get there. But for me, I look at it as like if we can get these pieces that we talked about and then if we're able to make a couple moves at the deadline, maybe we do have a chance to be a contender. And ultimately, like we can't even win a playoff game right now. So how, how, how deep, honestly, deep down do we think we can go? I don't know. I think winning a playoff series would be great. I think that would be an awesome. And then blow it up the next season if, it, if, if we don't think we're going to be able to carry guys forward. Um, I, I don't. I don't know if we can compete for a World Series, but I don't know if there's, you know, if we're going to get to that point where we're going to have this stellar core. Maybe that's cynical, but it just feels like we always have these good young prospects, like, and then they just peter out a little bit. Not all of them, but like a lot of our prospects seems to just kind of peter out, or then we trade them and then they have some success later, but never really become like superstars or anything. Okay, so we've, we've like talked, I feel like we've talked on both sides of the fence. We, we've all had our, our 
yeses and noes. So let's just go around. Do you think they should sell this year or not? And if you think next year is the year, do you think they're competing for a World Series or not? I can start. I think I think we go. We let them play. I don't think we sell. I think the goal would be to make it to the ALCS next year. Chip chair chance if you're there. We've already won a series, so we know we can then win a playoff game. And and we'll see what happens. I, I it, it's gonna be really hard. Making it to the World Series would be a huge victory. The NL is really strong, but I think next I think this next season we add the pieces we've talked about and go for it. And if not, then afterwards after next season, you know, you get to the trade deadline and you probably blow it up then. Isaiah. Uh, I kind of, I'm with Connor. You got to go for it. If you're going to commit to overhauling the bullpen. And I think that's going to be the biggest piece, like to compete, you have to have a very solid bullpen. So I think if, if you're not going to trade now, that means you're making the commitment in the off season to add some really good pieces in the bullpen and, and, commit to that and fully go for it so uh but no i don't know if we're necessarily going to be competing for a world series but i will just say this with like it doesn't feel like a ton of teams that do compete for world series are teams that like consistently blow it up and start over like if you look at what the padres have done recently like yeah they're sick and it feels like oh this is just this ultimate homegrown team but a lot of their like key contributors are guys that they picked up and they scooped in as other teams were like dropping off over the last few years. So like Hosmer was a good example of that. Mark Melanson has been really good for them. He's a good example of a guy that people thought was over the bump. Um, then you've got like Jerks and Profar. You've got, you know, Manny Machado, obviously, like they got him cheap. You know what I mean? So it's not like this the Padres have that feeling of this super homegrown team, and it's like no, a lot of their key guys are guys that they picked up. So I think the Twins are could be in that area where like if you can hit right on a few of these things in this next off season, we're not necessarily that far away. I tend to agree with you guys. Um, I think blowing it up isn't the right way to do it. I think part of that is because I'm just not ready to watch another complete rebuild. But I think the big thing, Dalt, you mentioned it, is we have control over some of these guys for another year. So we might as well try to, you know, try to to use that, you know, to our advantage. Um, and then if it's not working out next year, then we blow it up um, because teams are still going to want contenders are still going to want some of these guys like Duffy, Taylor Rogers, Barrios, if they're making a push and the twins maybe aren't. Um, so I say, yeah, I say we got to try and ride it out one more, one more year, at least. Uh, I think a lot of these guys are like we mentioned are, are young and they, they, you know, we could catch fire with them. Um, we just kind of have to give them the opportunity without, you know, just saying, giving up essentially rolling over on them. So I, yeah, I just think across sports, complete rebuilds aren't, they don't, it doesn't seem like they work that often. When you just totally blow it up, it takes so much longer to get back to where we are right now. If you completely blow it up to get back to where we were, let's just say like last year, it's going to take a long time. And are we ready to commit to that? And you're just you're kicking the can down the line because then at that point, other teams are going to be really, really good still. Like there's always, like Connor said, going to be really good teams in the MLB or in any league. So if you're worried about not being able to beat them, you should just stop. Like if you're going to rebuild and hope that when you hit it right, everybody's going to be down. It's just not going to happen that often. Um, and it's just like you look at a ton of teams across sports who consistently try to rebuild all the time. They don't end up getting all that far. I mean, obviously, you you have some aberrations like you have. uh 
the uh, Miami squad. Like they've been able to do it a few times. Um, Tampa doesn't anymore. They don't go. It doesn't seem like full rebuild mode. Like they're consistently always decent. Uh, Oakland similar. You look at St. Louis, that's a team that's like, they're just a good organization, right? Like they don't ever go fully. They're having some down years, but they're never fully rebuild. I think a very good comparison to the twins is the pirates when they had their window and they had McCutcheon and they were pretty sweet and they had like a dope outfield. They didn't quite get as far as they wanted. They blew it up. Now they're awful. And it doesn't seem like there's a light at the end of the tunnel for them. So I think they're a very good comparison for what the twins uh, R slash were in the last few years and what it's going to look like if we go f- for this full rebuild. And that's where I, I know we've talked about this in the past of like, would you rather be just awful, 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 win a championship? Do you want to be a, a Miami uh, Marlins fan? Or do you want a team that's like kind of like always around and like maybe you're not going to win? And I'm, I'm starting to lean towards, I'd rather have a team that's year in, year out trying to make the playoffs than total rebuild. Well, and I think to your point, Ike, if you're a team that is year in and year out making the playoffs, at, you'd think one of those times, I mean, it doesn't always happen, but law of averages, you might strike gold and at least make a World Series and have a chance at it, right? So if you make the playoffs 10 years in a row, you'd think one of the years you may make a run. Now, obviously, the 2000 twins, the 2000s twins are an example of why that doesn't always work. But mm-hmm. I, I think we can all agree that's a lot more fun than the early 2010s twins versus and to get two good years out of it. Yeah. And, and still do just as good as those that group of teams did in the early 2000s. I have a quick hypothetical question for you guys that just popped into my head. Say the Twins or Vikings, whoever, get to the World Series, the, the Super Bowl, NBA Finals, whatever. Would you be more devastated with the loss or more excited for the win, do you think? Excited for me. You're saying the outcome of the championship, would I feel better if they won or worse if they lost the championship? Because, I mean, I think about, like, the buildup and the excitement of just us seeing a team actually get there, which we haven't done. Yeah. That's what I... I think it would be the excitement. I I think I would be... I I don't know if I'd know how to act. It would be like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, one of those situations (laughs) with, like, my whole body. I would just be twitching for days. (laughs) You you kind of like the loss lasts forever kind of it sticks with you kind of forever i think we've known that from the few like championship games not final championships but semi-final games it, they still kind of stick with you but i think that joy of that championship would be hundredfold better like we all know we were in uh in 2018 we were in washington dc when the caps won the cup and we had no allegiances at all to to that team and that was one of the most fun nights of my life like we just were out there in the streets with the people it was so great like i and imagine if that's your team there's no way a loss could feel worse than that feels good yeah yeah i agree i think just some losses like are devastating but i think if we actually get to see one of these in our lifetime there's nothing that's gonna match that i'm not going to work for at least a week i will say that uh economic theory would say that the loss would hurt more there's something called prospect theory that talks about loss aversion and and a loss and gain of equal value typically a loss will affect someone like 1.8 times as much as the gain 
but I don't know if that applies here because you don't own the thing. So it's not technically a loss. You just didn't get the yeah. title. So it's not, it's, it's, it's a little different. Loophole. Loophole. I, yeah, I just think uh, it goes back to the cliche a lot of times where it's the, how does it go? It's the journey, not the destination. So like the fact of getting to, let's just say the world series, cause that's the topic we're on like winning two series before that. I mean, what a freaking rush be so fun to see the twins like competing with these top end baseball teams to get to the world series and then lose. I think for me, I'd still be riding the high of the, or the high of the excitement to get there. And I'm sure instantly I'll be like, this sucks. Like we were so close and didn't get it, but long-term it'll be like, Oh man, that was a rough, that was so much fun. At least we won a damn playoff game. I was thinking about that the other day in terms of Minnesota sports, how in our lifetime, we've never had a really extended playoff run because the NFL is the only sport where you play one game and like the Vikings have advanced two rounds before. So we get to see two playoff wins, which is fun in the last few weeks, but you only have a few games, but sports like baseball, basketball, hockey, you have seven game series and a team making a deep playoff run means you get to live like four, eight, 12, 16 games where a team is winning in the playoffs in the highest pressure situation. And you get to be a fan. You get, to, you get to watch your team making this extended run and getting to keep reliving this playoff victory over and over and over. Like, we've never had that. We've had Vikings teams that have made runs, but it's you get two Sundays where you're happy, and then you get, you get a lead-up, but you don't get to keep watching your team win. And I just think the Timberwolves and the Wild, they haven't played in so long, and, like, the NHL playoffs just finished. The NBA playoffs are still going on. Imagine watching our team this whole time having won and won and won and maybe lost but keep winning series that would be so fun to go on that ride for months where your team is winning more than you're losing and you're advancing and you're getting to just live that excitement the entire time like we've never had anything close to that yeah like uh, when we were in college the wild won one series and then lost to the blackhawks but i agree like that that one series was so much fun for me like seven games we win game seven we go on to the next series win a game there like to then double that or maybe even triple that experience. I mean, whoo, you got me going now. You got me going. Look it, man. That sounds fun. My stomach would be in knots for months, but yeah, that'd be a, a, so much fun. Oh God. The, 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 the stress that I would be going through in every one of those games though, would just be, I mean, I'm, I welcome it. Like yeah. I want this to happen. Like, ah, oh. But geez, I would be going gray real fast. Mark it down. Lou wants a deep playoff run. Mark an eight, dude. Officially a pro deep wolves playoff run podcast. Podcast of wolves. So everybody okay. get on board. Oh. So in unrelated Twins news, Twins manager Rocco Baldelli is getting married over the All-Star break to his long-term girlfriend. Connor, you're the only one on the pod who has uh, has a ring on his finger. So do you have any wedding or marriage advice for Mr. Rocco Baldelli? Rocco, everyone tells you, you want to, like the two words you need to know is like, yes, dear. Like that's, that's what they tell you. Well, those days are gone, all right? Now it's not about, like, the male needing to provide. You're not going and hunting and cutting down things. It's 2021. 
we're both in this together. Okay. This is a, this is a partnership. This isn't one person's in charge and the other person, you know, does all the manual labor. So my thing is stand your ground, you know, die on some Hills. What are you passionate about? What do you care about? Make sure those get done, but then also be willing to lose some battles because she's going to die on her Hill too. So, yeah. So my biggest marriage advice would be find out what you care about, find out what she cares about. Make sure you both get that. At the end of the day, there's a lot of small stuff that doesn't matter. But for me, it was invitations at our wedding. Not a lot of people would have cared about that. But I have a very simple, bland taste. And she was throwing these gold ribbon. And I'm just like, no, that's not that's not important. That's not great. And you might be sitting at home thinking, why in the world would you care about invitations at your wedding? Like one of the smallest details, one of the most stereotypical, like girl just takes care of details. Well, you know what? When you ask for my opinion, you get all of it. That's the thing. So I say go 100%. Don't, don't, don't do what the twins seem to do sometimes and kind of go in. Don't go in. You know, don't go get the big prospect or don't go get the big player in the offseason. Don't go get the big player at the deadline. Like we'll just putz along and hope everything works out. That stops when you leave the ballpark, Baldelli, because that's the way we play at the twins. Once you get home, you're all in, you're all out. All in or all out. That's my advice. All right, Connor, thanks for that. I think everybody should probably take some notes. Lou, maybe you uh, in particular. Uh, Whoa. Breaking news. No, just kidding. Um, but uh, unrelated sort of baseball piece, just rounding out the baseball talk, since we're moving further and further away from the twins. We had real twins talk, marriage talk. Now we'll just go general baseball. I don't know if you guys saw this play the other night. Uh, it was a Brewers-Reds game. And Christian Yelich hit a ground ball in the infield and he was legging it out. Uh, and the throw was errant, went past the first baseman and kind of kicked off the back, uh, back wall. But it kicked kind of straight back into the field of play. And the second baseman was right there. Smart guy playing great backup D. But Yelich kind of ran down the line, ran through the first baseline and sort of looked, literally just looked towards second base with his head. That was it. Um, and sort of it looked like half jokingly the second baseman who was standing right next to him and had the ball in his hand at that point tagged him uh for those who don't know if if there's an errant throw and you run through first base and you make a, a motion towards going towards second base then you're considered uh sort of live otherwise you're allowed to run through first base and so the guy tags him kind of as like this little like jaha i got you and the ump calls him out and Yelich just exploded like instantly turns around you got to be quacking kidding me are you quacking kidding me that's such a quacking joke like right in his face and then the ump tosses him and this that oh my god it made me i was just i'm not a, at all a brewers fan whatever but i don't like umpires because they sit on their stupid ass high horse and they're allowed to do whatever the heck they want and they're so ornery right now because of finally people are starting to stand up to umpires and being like, hey, maybe you need to do a good job every once in a while. Now we've got 
uh, we're double checking their plays that are close and they're wrong sometimes because yeah, everybody's wrong sometimes. And finally there's somebody who can be like, yeah, proof you were wrong, bub. And now we've got a home plate umpire who's getting challenged all the time by a Fox track or whatever. And he's taking it personally. And they've just been so egregiously annoying lately. And they always have, they always have been, I just don't like umps because they're allowed to make the wrong call. And then you can't say anything back to them and they can egg you on as much as they want. So what this guy does at first base is he makes an awful call. Absolutely awful call. There was no way he was going towards second base. He didn't even like his lower half of his body. Didn't Yelich's didn't move at all. And then the ump calls him out. Yelich is extremely mad, understandably. And then the ump just gets to throw him out of the game. Like if I'm Yelich, I'm like, no buddy, you're gone. You're out of the game. You, there should be, Here's a new rule I got, actually. I was thinking about this. And I'm sorry, I'll let you guys talk, but I'm a little bit upset about this one. There should be a new rule where every crew, there's four umps in a crew, right? Yeah. Uh, they should. Tr- there's more. But... In regular season games? There's like six, I think. I think they have there's four or is that on the just field. postseason. The four. line judges are only in the postseason. Just in the playoffs, the right? Yeah. Cool. Okay, so we'll just say the four on the field. For regular season games, they should travel five. Because they, if you make, I think they have a replacement guy. Yeah, if yeah, and we should fight. start using them. Like I think the two managers should be allowed to get together and be like, "Yeah, he's gone." And they, it, get they need to, a manager of the umpires that says, "Ah, wrong call, you're out, buddy." No, no, I want the two teams. They have to agree. They have to be like, "This guy's been really bad all night, both ways. Let's get him out of here and start holding these guys a little bit accountable." I would love to see two managers come together kind of behind home plate and like talking and getting real close. Like, and they just kind of start nodding like, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And they point out to like second base and they two. Yeah. At the same time, they both give them the big hook and toss. You're gone. That would be and then comes flying back and in he and gets, gets his pick and dirty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I oh. think that would make baseball a lot I'm better excited. because umps for too long have had no repercussions for their actions. And they've gotten me before in the past in my playing career. They'd egg me on and I would take the bait and I'd get tossed. And it's stupid because they were doing it on purpose because they know they have so much unwielded power. Nobody's checking them. It's time to start checking umpires. This country was built on checks and balances. Thank you, Lou. Not in baseball. Come on. Hey, let's make a mental note. Ike's trying to slow the game down. Good. More coaches meeting. That's just what we want. That'd be so fun to watch. Just kidding. Um, okay, just give them a phone then, a little cell phone, a little text action. The, yeah, the, uh, they now have two buttons on the bullpen phone. You can call the other dugout or your bullpen. Um, I So when I watch the video, I think the deceiving thing – so I just so we are – I'll get ahead of this. I am coming to the defense of the umpire a little bit here. So – Oh. Yeah, I know. It's going to sting. But if you watch the video, I think the problem that deceived him is like Christian Yelich is such a good athlete. When he was slowing down, he's like leaning in. And so I think from where the umpire was standing, it might look like he was like kind of going towards second. Um, but I still the, the call was wrong. Like I'm not I'm not gonna say anything about that. The call was wrong, but it just there was some sort of deceiving lean from my opinion that made it look like he was starting to go to second, but he really wasn't. So in my opinion, I think that and from coaching in high school, I know there's like a lack of there's a lack of umpires in general in the sport. And it's because people are so entitled now and they think they need to argue every call with the umpire. And I think it's hard at the major league level to draw a line because when kids see that, then they argue with umpires in their games. And that's not cool. And if you think they don't, you're wrong because they literally do. 
Like I Ooh. literally had kids this year yeah. three times tell the umpire to Quack. fuck off. You can't That's do that in, t- but- in tenth grade. And you know why they're doing it? Because they see every other one, every other team that they watch play do it. Players That's and coaches problem. have been arguing with umpires since the inception of baseball. It's not new. Like this isn't a new thing. It's not a new dynamic that players and coaches argue with umpires about calls. That's been there. It's been probably worse in the past. Like in the eighties, they were going nuts at them. They were like just more exposure. like the amount of like faces. Yeah, now people see it like yelling at each other. Like I I don't know if that's necessarily the problem. The thing is, is they're what they're trying to do is rein it in, right? Like that's the whole goal of this. You eject people, and so then they leave, and it's over. The issues burned out. And then we can just move on with the game. And the the 80s, the 70s, before that, there's just less exposure to that because the games weren't all televised nationally. And so now is what I'm saying is kids are seeing it nonstop where players are are doing it. It's the same thing with the game of baseball. Like kids are p- pimping home runs because they're seeing it at the professional level. No problem with that. I'm just saying when there's more exposure to the game, kids are acting like pros no matter what they do. If it's swagging out, if it's pimping bombs, if it's arguing with umpires, but I think my point is that at the end of the day, what what's the point of arguing with the umpire? I guess that's where I come in. Like just because you're you're, you're easily triggered just because you have thin skin. Is that why you argue with umpires or like I get saying something on your breath and going back to dugout or what's the point? Yeah, but if you're there's you the want to turn the call also, or no, the umps are. Th- yeah, you, you should be able to overturn the call if they're egregiously wrong. I think that's what baseball is trying to figure out an efficient way to be able to overturn a terrible call. And this was a terrible call. And then. You're talking about thin skin. The ump has even more thin skin. He gets Yelich got three sentences out of his mouth and he's gone from the game. And I understand that they were aggressive sentences, but for the ump to go there and to make a terrible, terrible call. And then in three sentences, take the one of the best players off of one team and throw him out of the game. That's what I'm saying. Like the, he shouldn't be able to do that so quickly and easily. But three sentences that has an impact sounds like beyond, nothing. But when you're just chucking F-bombs at the guy. Sentences. Yeah. So that is more than you need to do. I think. You can go up to the guy and say, well, you just literally ask him, what, what did you see? Why did I, what the heck's going on? Instead of just quack you, you fucking idiot. That's fucking bullshit call. Like that's not, that's what he does. Why don't you just use your three sentences better? Then you don't get tossed out of the game. Like we have an English language with a plethora of words. Maybe use the ones that don't piss everyone off. Oh, like the, I get the thin skin yeah. from the umpire yeah. at a certain point, but like you got to be an adult. We all played this game for a long time. I've never been ejected out of a game ever because I don't swear at umpires. And that's really the only thing that I haven't done at an umpire. And I have ever, never got tossed because I don't get triggered easily. Also, yeah. that's part it of it. Depends on, you can get tossed for not swearing at umps too. Like Dalton yeah. has Dalton has an example. He got thrown out of a men's league basketball game for calling a guy a joke. So yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that it's swearing. And I, I, I think I agree. Like as Yelich, you kind of got to be a little bit better. Hold your emotions a little bit more in check. Probably. Yes. But I think umps are allowed to, they, they, there's no like discussion of like, Hey, what did he say? Should he be tossed from this game? They're allowed to be extremely reactionary when they throw That's people fair. out of games. So if we're talking, it's, I think it goes both ways. And I think I do agree with you that guys maybe should be a little bit better with the word choice that they have, but for an ump to be like, Oh, I didn't like that. You're gone just because it, it hit them in a personal way that's something they're insecure about. And I think always when there's a quick, quick trigger like that, the ump knows they were wrong. He probably knows he was wrong. And now he's being defensive because he knows he made a bad call and he doesn't want to get stood up by a guy. So now he gets to throw him out of the game. And I think that is really bad. And I think he needs, like, that's what I'm saying. I was joking about, yeah, there should be a second up. But like, if you can't handle it today, you're out of there. We'll bring in a fifth guy. He'll come in. He'll do your job for you. Cause you just threw him out. Maybe you're gone too. 
but I guess the, the next question I'd have is like, where do you draw the line? Like, do you eject an umpire for calling a ball out the side of the strike zone, a strike, and now like you're upset because it struck you out and then you yell See, at the umpire and then you get the a system for that. It's that's just like at that point, I guess the whole point of what I started with is like we are losing umpires in the game because nobody wants to ump because it's a miserable job. Right. And so there are less good people getting into the profession and now we're getting less good umpires. So like, it's just a trickle down effect from umpires having a pretty shitty job because every day you get yelled at. There's literally not one game when both teams are like, you did a good job. And if you've experienced that, you're full of shit, in my opinion, at their <laughs> level. Like every call that you maybe miss one, yeah. the umpires, the dugouts get on you, which is fine. But I imagine three and a half, four hours of that. It's like, come on, guys. Like in some games, you don't have it just like the players don't have it. And then do, do, do we get all 40,000 fans just riding that player just in his year all game and see how he does? Because that's essentially what happens for the umpire. Like you go 0 for 4 and nobody's riding you, right? You drop a pop fly and the entire place is just grinding on you, are they? Yeah. Does that ever happen? In professional no. baseball, yeah. Oh my if God. If you consistently please. are bad and if you, I mean, if you make egregious please. errors in the field, you're and it's a home team, they're going to roast you. And if it's the way team, they're going to roast you even more. It's not like it is for an umpire though. It's very, it's way less than for the umpire. You make one bad strike call and the whole crowd boos you. You'd have to make like three errors before they really let you have it. Like it's, it's just, it's not consistent because the umpire, nobody cares about the umpires. They don't have I'm a not team. trying to go down. They don't that. have a yeah, team. They don't have yeah. support. Yeah. They're but no, it's just they're one no of those things where we're not getting better umpires by making them have less job security, in my opinion. Dude, but maybe I don't we would. know. I think umpires now are probably better than ever. They're just under a tighter microscope. Like we're seeing, we can see, and we're doing ultimate replay to find out how close they are. And I think right now, actually, uh, color analysts and guys calling games are doing a fairly decent job of being like, wow, Defending. when they get that replay, like, wow, to get this, this close of a call to say like they got, I think they're starting to be a little bit of more of a, cause I think you're right. Umps are getting a lot of heat recently. And I think people are starting to feel that. And like, is it good for the game? If that's the focus of every game with yeah. any sport, if the focus is on the referees, it's no longer on the, the product on the field. So I think there's been a more conscious effort from the broadcast booths except for the uh nba on abc they just there's mark jackson and uh what's his name dalton van gundy van gundy they just love to just complain and bellyache it's because they were both coaches but whatever i think yeah. i think the umps are probably at this point they could be better than they've ever been because I think they have more tools now to like really study the game and and they're practicing probably more than ever. And these guys do get paid a ton of money. It's not yeah. like they're just like doing it no. for the love of the game. Like they're getting paid a ton of money. They travel a ton. It's not great. You're going to get belly ached all day long. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think like, I think they're probably better than they've ever been. Yeah. I think bottom line is like, it's just finding the balance of how can we add in more possibilities for review. So we're getting the big calls, right? I'm fine with the strike. So, and I think there's an Agreed. art to catchers working Agreed. behind the dish and getting pitches. And honestly, you watch K zone and like, they're pretty tight. Like yeah. those umpires are really good behind the plate. I think it's just like these bang, bang plays where they are really impactful. Like there's a guy in third one out or two outs ground ball to short did he beat it? Did he not? Let's replay it, you know? And, the, and they're trying to incorporate that without killing the pace even more of the game. It's just a hard balance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's the system, Connor, is that you got to have both of the coaches agree because then if it's just one guy feels calls are going against him, then the other guy's like, yeah, the calls are going my way. But yeah. I don't think any coach has ever believed that a call goes their way. <laughs>
Yeah. They're like, that was the right call. And then when it doesn't go their way, they're we're getting cheated. <laughs> Which I understand at points. I just want to tell my story about you. You brought up my uh, getting yeah, kicked out of a men's back. league basketball game. I'm going to tell that on, on air to defend myself a little bit. This happened earlier this week, actually, this Monday, this past Monday. Uh, I was subbing for a friend's, a friend's basketball team. They needed a sub. So I was like, all right, I'll show up. I'll play. So we were playing. And, okay, I, I don't love refs either, refs and umps, but I'll handle them. But it's the ones who, like, make it about them. Like, this was a rec league game, and this was one of the, the refs was like, if you so much as, like, dribbled after he blew the whistle, he was like, hey, give me the ball. Right here. Come here. And they were terrible, too. Like, they are making bad calls on both sides. Everyone was riding them all game. Late in the game, <laughs> the team we're playing has this massive guy. Like, 6'8", super muscular, like, probably like 280. And I'm a, I'm a spindly 180. So he had about 100 pounds on me. <laughs> and so gets switched on to me. And obviously, he's going to try to take me to the rim and just, like, body me. So I plant my feet. He's, like, dribbling right at me. He kind of, like runs right into me but like turns and wraps his elbow around me and like clears me with his elbow and just tosses me to the ground like he just threw me and I hit on my back head goes back hits the hits the wood I'm like seeing stars I get up there's a foul call and he's at the line I'm like that foul was on me and the guy's like the ref goes that's on you every time and I, I just said you guys are jokes and then he said I had to leave Everyone was yelling at him all game. It was it was one of those things. I just said it matter-of-factly. You guys are jokes. I don't know how that's a foul on me. First of all, I'm concussed, basically. Spent this whole week with my neck stiff. I had to turn. Couldn't turn my head. Had to turn my whole torso whenever I wanted to turn and look at anybody. But somehow the foul was on me. So I just looked at him and I said, you guys are jokes. And then I had to leave. See, Connor, he only got one sentence and one no sentence choice and words. No he didn't words. get one choice word or any sentences. Brutal. Hey, if if you want NBA refs, Dalton, you should have been building up to that since you were five years old. Okay, if you want NBA refs, make it to the NBA. You're in rec league. You get rec league officials, just like there's rec league athletes. You're not going to get the top of the top. Okay, you're going to have to deal with those issues. Honestly, my recommendation: have more hot dog eating contests. Sounds like you need to beef up, plant in the paint. You're going to guard the big man. You got to be the big man. I was taking a charge. That was all heart. It was hard, and he cleared me with his elbow. Love it, Dalt. That is shocking, though, because I got to think as a rec league uh, official, the only thing you're hoping for is to call that charge. That's like oh, the most electric play in basketball. I know you want to do that. Other way. Go the other way. You hop into that charge call. I will say the way you described it, and I wasn't there. I mean, it sounds pretty bad. But again, respect dumps. Rec league. Yeah, got to respect them. I didn't. That, raise that my was. Voice. It was very. That was one fact. of the situations where it was. It sounds like the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, like he's so been taking bad. it for an hour and a half, and he's all like, "All right, screw you, pal. Get out of here." But I mean, Get at the same deep. point, I don't think you should be. I don't think that should be how it is. Like you got to set the tone early, tee somebody up if they're riding you, and then just go. You can't toss guys, like. Yeah, for uh, saying you're a joke, but I mean, I don't have all the context. So. I think what happened was that guy's wife and him were going through some troubles recently, and she just called him a work. joke that night. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "You got to stop going to rec league basketball so much; it's tearing this marriage apart." You're a joke. 
and then, and then told, <laughs> hit him again. Under his breath, right before he tossed you, goes, that was the wrong choice of words, pal. You're out of here. Oh, I'll show you who the joke is, Darcy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I am sorry about that, Dalt. Hope you hope you recover well and and your, your neck's back to good as new as soon as possible. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a good place to leave it. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Mini Market Podcast. We'll be back next week. Follow us on Twitter at Tellem Sports. See you around. Go Wolves. Peace. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.